0: You do really poorly up there, and it's like when you're dating a woman for the first time, and you don't perform as well as you could have, and then you want a second yeah. shot. You're like, I got to get back in there and redeem myself. I'm not that of course, bad, of <laughs> right? So it's like then you got any, and you want to do that as soon as possible, so that you try to get up the next night, and it's not going to be as bad. It's like everything else. They always say you're only as good as your last show, and if your last show sucks, it's a horrible feeling. It doesn't sit well, and you just really need to get back up there
1: meet Andrew Ginsberg, a stand-up comedian, champion bodybuilder, and personal trainer, as well as author of Pumping Irony, How to Build Muscle, Lose Weight, and Have the Last Laugh. Does that tell you enough about the episode to want to listen more? I hope so. This is a great hybrid bucket list careers episode. Great narrative. And welcome back to the podcast. I'm Crystal Laurie. As a personal trainer slash comedian for the past 20 years, Andrew has trained clients privately in the morning and performed stand-up comedy at night. Shockingly, he drinks a lot of coffee and enjoys trying out his material on clients as they sweat. His TV appearances include The View, Saturday Night Live, The Sopranos, various soap operas, and he's headlined at big-name comedy clubs in New York City for years. Andrew lives each day by the mantra, "'Pursue work you love with fearlessness and humor.'" And we did not forget to pull some takeaways out of this fun conversation. So let's go ahead and listen. Andrew, welcome to Bucketless Careers. Thanks so much for taking the time. I'm excited about this. Oh, me
0: too. Thank you so much for having me.
1: And I know April Larkin is listening. I'm going to thank April for putting us in touch. You are her personal trainer.
0: Yes. Thank you, April. You're the best. Yep.
1: Love April. She was actually my very first guest oh my on this show because, of course, her narrative is so amazing. Yeah. But you are not only a personal trainer, but also a comedian. I kind of love this hybrid story. I'm not sure you have that classic pivot that we often highlight. It sounds like you're more doing this simultaneously for years. But it is a dream gig. And I find that intriguing. And that's what this show is about, finding professional purpose, using a side hustle to get there in some cases. But it sounds like you do both and derive a lot of happiness and passion and fulfillment from both. So let's dial it back to what got you started in either personal training or being a comedian first.
0: I was a bodybuilder in college. I was first a tennis player. I went to college to play tennis at Boston University, and I started liking the weight training more than the tennis. (laughs) I was a really muscular tennis player, and I decided to do some bodybuilding competitions, and I just got hooked. That was the springboard to personal training. You know, I've just been doing it since college, and I love it. I really like connecting with people and watching their bodies change. It's a fun way to spend time it's rewarding for you.
1: Obviously, you are physically the right type to do this. But then this comedian side of you, when did that self-awareness come about? Were you always the funny kid? Was it a time in your life when you just came to this realization, I could actually do this and make money and have everything, be able to improve people through personal training and then also make them laugh?
0: Yeah. Like when I was 13, I was kind of the clown, class clown. And that just developed more, maybe a more mature class clown in college. <laughs> and finally, I gave it a try my senior year at Boston University. And I was horrible. He my did. leg wouldn't stop shaking. I bombed. But um, there was this um. like kind of legendary comic there. And he saw me. He's like, they really listened to you. They didn't listen to anyone else. It was like, it was an open mic. And I said, yeah, that's all they did. They didn't laugh. He's like, yeah, but they listened. I could work with you. And he did. And had he not been there, I would not have continued. But he taught me the ropes. Yeah, he taught me how to write. He taught me to be vulnerable and to put yourself down. And it really helped. Yeah, I got lucky.
1: Right. You mentioned that there's something about being in good shape muscular like there's nothing funny about biceps how do you work around that obstacle and do you use your being a bodybuilder persona in your comedy routines is it a part of it
0: a little bit i talk about how i compete in bodybuilding contest you paint yourself brown and you oil up and you pose posing a thong to the backstreet <laughs> boys It's a real maladaptive freak show, but cover up. I wear sweaters because muscles are not, they don't help in any way. In fact, they hurt a lot because it's threatening and you don't want to be a threat. That's the worst thing you can be up there.
1: Right. Well, that's true. I mean, I've read that you're a mashup of Jerry Seinfeld and Superman, which is (laughs) funny. Actually, we had tickets to see Jerry Seinfeld recently that we had to give away at the Beacon Theater. Is he one of your heroes? Do you try to model yourself a little bit or is that not a good thing in the comedic world? You don't want to be anybody, right? Well,
0: I've been told I sound like him because I think every whiny Jew from Long Island sounds like him. And it's, I mean, I like his his right. He's a beautiful writer and a wordsmith. But as far as sounding like him, it's like being the next Michael Jordan. There already was one. We don't need another one.
1: Totally. What do you think of that show he has, that coffee with the different celebrities concept? Do you like
0: that? I love it. What do you love about it? It's so raw. And it really, that's what they are. I mean, it's just a bunch of clowns that going deep on topics that mean absolutely nothing. The comedic ping pong is so much fun. And he always has great guests and watching two just experts do their thing is it's wonderful I love it
1: would you love to do something like that I mean clearly he's someone we'd all love to model our careers after highly successful comedian slash actor but where do you see yourself where do you take this I know you have three kids you live in Connecticut you're married and things seem to be working for you but what's your five ten-year plan and Let's talk about obstacles for comedians, because I would imagine it's
0: tough. It is tough. And also my favorite time of day is I call it book party. It's when I read to my five-year-old son from 7.30 to like 8.15. And I love reading those three or four books. And that's when you perform comedy. Oh. So the idea of going on the road and touring and doing stuff like that is not appealing at this point in my life because I, right. was, I miss all that time with my kids. How old are they? A five, three and one.
1: Oh, yeah, you're in it. You are in the thick yeah. of it.
0: Yeah, so I need to be around. It's my greatest joy. But I do want to, really, I just want to be get as good as I can possibly be. I want to reach my full potential as a comedian. And I got really lucky about a year and a half ago. One of my friends who's a comic introduced me to Lisa Lampinelli, mm-hmm. who is this legendary comic from the, yeah, she had a, like nine HBO specials. And she they called her the queen of mean. And she's, the, she's the funniest human I've ever met. She's just so funny, and she t- like she's been my mentor for the past two years. She said, "Okay, you're okay, but let's make you better." So she's worked with me every Wednesday. We go to a diner and we just have fun and we work on nice. material. So she's helped me. She's really helped me improve. And I just want to get. I just want to get better. The Queen of Mean is helping you. (laughs) The Queen of Mean is helping me.
1: Right. So how do you get through the nerves? I mean, I know you've been at big places, Caroline's on Broadway, Gotham Comedy Club headlining. What have you leaned on the most when you get nervous or feel like you're in over your head? Or does that not even happen anymore? Do you kind of get to how many shows have you done? Do you get to a point where you don't get those butterflies?
0: No, you always get so nervous you, just because it's the unknown and it's scary, but it's also exciting. And uh, I think once you get that first laugh and you get in the room and if you're having fun, they're having fun. I think there's a lot of truth to that. Granted, you have good jokes. That helps. <laughs> yeah. Once you get going, and if you like your act, this is the first time I've ever had an act where I like every single joke I'm telling. I used to hate every single joke I was telling. It was just they were trying to be clever. They didn't really tell anything. They were disconnected. And finally, I'm doing something I'm proud of. But after 22 years. When was that turning point? And was it Lisa who got you there? It's 100% Lisa that got me there. Because she said, you know, you're just like everyone, you're, you can get laughs, but there's a million people that can get laughs, but you're not connecting. You're not really giving them yourself. And the comedians that really connect are the ones that really share up there and go deep. And she taught me how to go deep. Well, that's good to know. Yeah. Tell me
1: one time you totally bombed and what happened and how did you get through it? Uh, I mean, is it like crickets? Is that just like when you're just sweating bullets? And I don't know. I think it's one of my fears because as a performer, I get it. I understand the desire to be up there. I understand giving of yourself and you want to be as authentic as possible, but you are putting so much of yourself out there.
0: Yeah. And it's a pretty arrogant profession to say, you're going to listen to me. You're going to pay money because I'm so clever. And then you're going to laugh at me. (laughs) I mean, it's, it's such a presumptuous or arrogant As far as bombing goes, it's at the absolute worst. And you don't sleep that night. You're borderline suicidal. You're not going to kill yourself. Oh, no. You, you feel like that, yeah. though. You feel like you have no worth. You know, I, I should quit. You go through that whole thing and then you're OK again.
1: That sounds very much like a rock bottom moment for you in your career. So how do you talk yourself back into getting back up there? Because this is a business podcast, but we also have a motivational element here. We talk about takeaways and we'll get into that soon. But tell me how you kind of coached yourself out of saying, I am never doing that again.
0: You, you know the parallel that I just had. You do really poorly up there. And it's like when you're dating a woman for the first time and you don't perform as well as you could have. And then you want a second <laughs> shot. You're like, I gotta get back in there and redeem myself. I'm not that of course, bad. Of <laughs> right. So it's like then you got any and you, you want to do that as soon as possible. So that you try to get up the next night and it's not gonna be as bad. It's like everything else. They always say you're only as good as your last show. And if your last show sucks, it's a horrible feeling. It doesn't sit well. And you just really need to get back up there.
1: Right. And I know that you actually run your jokes by your clients that you train. I do.
0: April April is one of the funniest people I've ever met. I love April. I know. She's so funny. funny. And I've been very lucky. I have really funny clients. That's always been a through line. My clients are funny. They're really funny. So they're yeah,
1: and everybody who's listening, if you don't remember, April Larkin is the mom who became a DJ like in her forties, which is you know, she's just like my hero. Yeah. And I actually just went to see her recently. But right, so your clients will help you decide or decipher what is working and what isn't for you. And it's kind of a brilliant formula that you have going here.
0: Yeah. And, and they're funny. So they feed me premises. I tried this woman yesterday who was talking about going on a date with a guy and he wants to take her away from the weekend. And she's like, I would just escape the cold anyway you got to take me somewhere good. <laughs> you know, I can stay inside and escape the cold. I'm like, that would be a Seinfeld premise. I could see him doing escape the cold. It's just this every day. Uh, Clyde <laughs> will give me about so one or funny. two new premises. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to play with that when I get home.
1: Who is your favorite comedian right now out there and why? Right now,
0: Bill Burr would probably be my mm. favorite. I just really like his Boston, no frills attitude. He And he really says some offensive things, but he says it in a way. He always kind of qualifies it like, I'm an idiot. What do I know? But then he'll hit hard. Yeah. I like the guys that really put themselves on the line. I caught a
1: special of his out of Red Rocks. I thought he was pretty good. Is Netflix like a big goal for someone like yeah, you? Yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely. How do you get that?
0: You need, obviously, to have a following, and I'm not a big social media guy, so I've hurt myself in that arena, but I, ultimately, mm,
1: I think- Got to ramp up there. Yeah,
0: I think yeah, that claim rises to the top if you're that good. Unfortunately, there's hundreds of thousands of comics now. It's like anyone who made their grandma laugh at a barbecue is doing comedy. You have a lot of competition. There are They also want diversity, and I'm definitely not diversity, so you just got to get lucky and build a name, yeah.
1: So let's talk advice, because I do like to give listeners a little bit of actionable takeaways because they listen to this conversation with Andrew Ginsburg. You know, based on your journey, what do you think really matters in terms of pulling the trigger, getting to professional purpose? Because we only are on this planet once. Right. And you spend a lot of your day working. What would you like people to take away from this?
0: Really do what you love doing, or at least attempt to do it. Then we say, follow your passion. It depends on the passion. But I think just persistency and being resilient, just staying the course. It's not going to be a straight line. You're really going to take a lot of punches in comedy or anything that's not a traditional. I mean, I imagine in corporate setting, it's the same thing, but just staying the course. It's the ones that stay the course that make it.
1: Did you have a lot of naysayers along the way who tried to talk you out of this? No, my parents really
0: didn't care. They knew I was a wild card and I was going to do what I was going to do anyway. They knew I was like crazy. And so I was going <laughs> to, I mean, they knew what they were dealing with. I, you can't put me in an office. So I'll, I'll jump out the window. But
1: well, that's great, though. You kind of knew who you were early on. And that's a gift. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I love bodybuilding and I love comedy and I kind of am able to do both. And so I never dread, like, I, I love work. In fact, I look forward to Mondays because the weekends are long with the kids.
1: totally (laughs) when does preschool start again yeah no totally yeah it's wonderful you know what don't blink because i've got teenagers and one in college and enjoy it while it lasts but that is sort of the key that you wake up on monday feeling really energized that's totally inspiring so what can we expect next which we be looking out for and of course i want to send people to either your website or the best place to learn more about andrew ginsburg online
0: Next would be just performing more, headlining more clubs are in the Northeast,
1: New York Metro area, a lot of New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't
0: travel, but again, I don't want to miss book party with the kids. Just getting, but just grow, growing as a comic. I talk about marriage, just kind of been my subject. I'm divorced once.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: I have a, I think I have a master's in marriage. I could talk about it. <laughs> so I love it. Becoming a much better comic over, over time. And yeah, I have a website, andrewginsburg.com.
1: Andrewginsburg.com. And we almost forgot about the book. Oh.
0: What is it called again? It's called again? Pumping Irony. How to build muscle, lose weight, and have the last laugh. And uh, it's prescriptive, <laughs> but it's also funny. I think it's funny. I make fun of all the stupid fitness events, like the half marathon. And What else do you <laughs> do halfway, right, and feel like a winner? <laughs> that kind of stuff.
1: That's cute. Pumping Irony. I like it. All right. Andrew Ginsburg. thank you so much for your time. It was really great to meet you and fun to do this. I was very excited about it. You're my first comedian, so I'm like, this is going to be a great conversation, and it truly was. So thank Thank you.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: And I thank you for joining me for another episode. I'm Crystal Laurie. This is Bucket List Careers. Don't forget to rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back next Thursday. Be well.
0: An ironic media production. Visit us at I-R-O-M-I-C-K-Media.com. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.